David Chance presents to you the morning meetup. Do you have an idea you need to get off the ground? Are you a small business owner looking to earn supplemental income or replace your current income? Come and join the most amazing mentorship and accountability group for entrepreneurs live with David Shans himself. That's right. This is not pre-recorded and it's not a replay. This is live every morning, Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. Eastern. In addition to the live calls, you'll also receive a weekly individual Q&A call, a private Facebook community, access to all call replays, and access to David's list of resources and contacts you need to be in an environment of success so head over to themorningmeetup.com today for your one dollar seven day trial that's right just one dollar for seven days of access to the morning meetup take massive action towards manifesting your dreams today themorningmeetup.com and then I realized I needed a niche in real estate because everybody was like doing the same thing. Like you look around and everybody was doing it. And what makes me different? You know, like I'm like I'm already an outsider in this market because I don't have no referrals from family and friends like Katrina relocated us to a whole nother city. So I don't have allies. And like I said, everybody that like in my family, like even in my boyfriend family, who's my husband now, but even in his family. Everybody was renters. Nobody owned yeah, nothing. Yeah, for sure. You know, so I didn't have nobody saying, hey, I want to buy a house. Mm-hmm. I had to find those people. And three, two, one. You're listening to The Real Social Proof Podcast with Mr. Sleepers for Suckers himself, David Shand. Let's get it. Welcome to another edition of the Social Proof Podcast, uh, where we find the most amazing social proofers. Social proof is uh, being able to build something, construct something, do something, and know how to do it so well that you can actually um, teach somebody else how to do it because you actually went through it, not in the the guru age we're in right now. So, <laughs> but uh, I am really excited about this guest that we have on. Um, she is single-handedly helping me build wealth through real estate. I'm so excited. We have a closing in a couple days, yes. right? Yes. I'm excited about that. And um, we got uh, Ms. Terrica Smith. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, man. I'm so excited about this interview. And I know I've been interviewing you since <laughs> since we got together this morning. <laughs> yeah. not, not out of, like, preparing questions, but just uh, you have such a wealth of knowledge in this real estate game so let's let's kind of like uh lay the foundation what is it that you do right now i'm a real estate developer a a real estate developer yes what does that mean so we develop we build homes in communities that don't receive investment dollars that traditionally will receive tons of investment dollars Mm -hmm. in other part of um, communities we like to go into the low income areas and start building homes and you know developing shopping strips and you know just creating communities developing shopping strips so when you think about real estate investor you think about somebody who like buys a house and flips it you know yeah. what I mean? Like you buy a house, that's, the, that's the hot one right now. Like that's what's popular. Like that's what a lot of people see. But you know, real estate is like an octopus, right? It mm. got so many legs that you can mm. be invested into. Um, but the rehabbing, of course, is very lucrative for those who do do it. You know, um, for us as developers, we like to um, start with a blank canvas. And we like to build what we like to see in areas. And that's what, you know, I think makes us a little bit more different than other real estate investors who just invest into, you know, certain properties. You know, I think 
being that I say real estate is like an octopus, you can literally create wealth through any leg you grab mm. if you just know what you're doing. It just seems so big and scary. Like, nah. like you developing like a whole community, like a, a whole housing community. Like I live in one. Yeah. Like somebody like you said, yo, this is a good plot of land. Let's get the <laughs> land. Let's build, you know, 30 houses or 100 houses or whatever. Mm-hmm. How... You didn't start like that, though. No. You didn't start with that. No. So I, I, I definitely want to um, kind of lay the foundation on how you got to where you are, where you're building. Sh- so what does your portfolio look like right now? So we have over about 250 investment properties. Mm. So is that like 250 houses or is it? It's mixed. It's um, it's developments. It's um, rehabs. It's rentals. It's an entire portfolio. You got the whole octopus. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm- <laughs> Yeah, I got some. <laughs> what what area haven't you touched yet? I would say syndication. Um, I haven't touched in that industry now you know a lot. You just put me on the uh, yeah. on the property tax joint, the, not property tax. What is it? On um, the association fee? How yes. you get off that? So yeah, yeah. all of yeah. you do syndication. Yeah. So um, I mean, I haven't played in it much, you know. Um, but you know, syndicating properties um, is pretty much being kind of like. Um, kind of like a Grant Cardone in a sense. Like he's a big real estate syndicator um, who handles um, real estate investment trusts, those type of um, investments. I'm not really into that arena, so I don't know much about it. Break that down. He handles trusts. What do you mean? Like, so for instance, like people come and give you millions and millions and millions of dollars to go and store somewhere and they rely on you to... um, to have somewhere to put that money, right? Mm-hmm. And make it grow for them. And so he may know somebody who has an opportunity that um, he can um, that he can leverage, right? Mm-hmm. And turn it into some type of ownership on his behalf. And then on the other end, um, these people have money and they know him. And so he's gonna syndicate that deal together. Like he's gonna put it all together as one and then oversee it. I don't really do that part in real estate. Is, is that like, uh, what's it called? Where crowdfunding, not crowdfunding, but to, what is it called? You know what I'm thinking. Like where people give you money and then you put it into investments so you give them a percentage back. Yeah, so um, it's a little different because it have a um, quite a bit more guidelines, if I'm not mistaken. Like I said, I don't really play in that arena, so I can't go into great details yeah. of it because that's not a arena that I play in. Um, but in real estate crowdfunding, like we have a real estate crowdfund platform where we allow investors to come and invest with us. Right. Um, and we report to the SEC um, the, um, the information that's required and we pay out returns on those investments. Um, but it's a little bit different whenever you're being a syndicator, gotcha. if I'm not mistaken. Gotcha, gotcha. Cause it sounds like what you do with Salt Capital, right? So yeah. we have, um, we have the investment in, are we, are we in Lafayette? Yeah. Louisiana. And uh, we bought the, I'll be having to update you on the numbers because you got a lot of properties yeah. going on, but it's like my baby. <laughs> so uh, we both put in like 35000 mm-hmm. Like me and you put in 35000 and we own the property. And then you went to Salt Capital, mm-hmm. which is your company, to get the money for the rehab. Yes. So, and the people who put the money in at Salt Capital, they can, they'll get money back on their return, a percentage of the actual deal, right? Yes. So so walk me through how you built Salt Capital and why. 
Yeah, so SALT Capital actually SALT stands for Sheldon, Atea, Layla, and Tyreek. Those are my children. Names. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, and so um, I started SALT Capital because so many people would contact me and be like, hey, I want to get into real estate. And I'd be like, well, look, just go to the bank and go do this. Boom, boom, boom. And then they come back and they like, it's not boom, boom, boom. Mm. And I'm like, wait, what's wrong? And so um, the pain points that they were having was that they didn't have enough experience or they didn't have education or they didn't have enough money. And so I went back to a few friends and I'm like, y'all, what if we start a company where we can help people invest um, and they invest with us? Like we're already investing on a high scale. What if we allow people to come in on our projects and give them the chance and opportunity to have a seat at the table? And so my partners was like, yeah, let's do it. And so we did, you know, we started a company where we bring people in on the project right not just take their money and put it somewhere we bring them in and then we allow them to choose which properties they want to invest into which properties they don't want to invest into gotcha that's why it's not that's why it's different because it's not like yo you give me ten thousand dollars and i invest in and bring it back it's like yo this particular deal we're right because you raised how much you raised well we raised forty thousand in like a few minutes yeah (laughs) yeah it was pretty quick yeah Mm. those are small offerings too you know um People just want a chance and opportunity to be able to invest. And so having that ownership with us, you know, I think is awesome because it gives them what they need to be able to go back to the bank and say, hey, I have the resources now. Look, this is my track record. I've been with this company. I've been doing this. And then they take you more serious. So, I mean, um, it's their choice at the end of the day how they invest, when they invest and what they want to invest we have a minimum, but they don't have to, they, they can put more than that minimum if they want. They just can't go below that minimum. What's the minimum? Sometimes it's 2,500. It just ranges on the property, but typically oh, really? we say $2,500 depending dope. on the property. And they get to invest with a seasoned investor yourself, like they have been doing yeah. it over and over and over and over yes. again. And obviously the people in Salt Capital are happy, right? Because they're oh, getting yeah. returns. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they come back, you know, so yeah. they come back, you know, they're happy. Um, I mean, we like, to, we like to be very conservative. We offer 12 to 18 percent return on investment Mm. and that right there is you know there's nothing never guaranteed in life right Mm. but what we say is we got our money there we like to make these type of returns if not more but this is being very conservative and so you know this is what we would think would be realistic to pay out to investors to give them back that's super cool because you put your money it's not like you're raising the money for like them in a project like you're saying i'm putting in $40,000. $40,000. You can put in X amount of dollars yeah. with you. Yeah. And that's what made me so comfortable in um, our investment because you put in, you personally mm-hmm. put in just as much as me. Yeah. And then the crowd, the, the Salt Capital uh, family, they put the money in for the rehab and now we're going to close and then everybody gets paid out. That that's is super right. cool. Yes, absolutely. That's super cool. Yes. So you weren't always this real estate mogul, right? <laughs> So walk me through like how you got started. Get, like very beginning. Very beginning. Very beginning. Ooh. All right. So I've been in real estate now for 15 years. Mm. So I've been doing it quite a while. Um, but I remember when I first started, like um, I remember um, sitting in the real estate class and feeling like I was the dumbest one in the room mm. because nobody never talked like in my family about nothing real estate. 
I didn't even know you can own real estate. I only had a renter's mindset. Really? Yes. Like nobody <laughs> talked about that. You never thought like you could own real estate? No, because that, if that's not a normal conversation, like if people are not being like, oh my God, I just bought a house, you're not going to hear that. In your community, you don't hear, you don't I just bought a house. You don't hear that. Yeah. You hear, oh, they just moved on such and such. Like they, they paying $800 in rent or whatever the case may be. So that was never, you know, um, conversation around me. So I'm sitting in real estate school and I'm looking around and then you got the teacher. He talking about liens and um, encompasses and encroachments. And I'm like, what the heck is this terminology? (laughs) Like, I have no clue. And so I'm the one in class where I'm sitting and I'm doing this. What's a lien? (laughs) What's an encumbrance? And they literally would keep stopping the class for me because I just didn't know anything. And so come test day, I fell, you know, fashionably. With a big F, okay? Um, I don't even think I got 30% on the test. And then I just kept on going, you know? Um, And and then finally, I got to the point where I was ready to go take the state exam. I failed that seven times. Again, when you're not familiar with this terminology, that can become um, intimidating. You know, the fear of um, just the unknown, you know? Um, I just knew that if I didn't pass this test, I didn't have anything to lose because I had nothing to go back to anyway. So I kept on taking the test after the seventh time I passed the real estate exam and now I'm excited. I'm like, oh my gosh, I passed. And then I go and um, literally I I had to sell my food stamps so I can buy me an outfit. I had Mm. to sell my food stamps to be able to pay for the real estate exam because I kept failing it. And it was $100 every time you had to go retake it. Well, Mm. I was poor. I didn't have no $100. So I'm like taking food from my kids, but I'm like, God, I'm just like grace. Like, I don't want to go to jail, but I just need grace right now. I'm trying to make it, you know? Um, And so I passed the exam and I go to this big old real estate brokerage and I had went to Goodwill the day before and I got like the best of the best I can find. And I'm sitting there and I'm like nervous. And he walk in there and I reach up to shake his hand and he put his hand back and he just looked at me. He said, I don't think you'll be a good fit for our company. Really? Yes. He looked at me and said that. And so I was like, yeah, I was devastated. So. I walked out that real estate brokerage, and at this time, my husband, who was my bar friend at the time, he was sitting in the car with our two kids, and, like, they know I failed the exam seven times, so, like, everybody's excited that I'm about to go to this big brokerage, our lives are about to change, and I got to come back, and I got to tell them the news that, you know, this guy said he don't think I'm going to be a good fit for his brokerage. He didn't tell me why. He just, I just know he didn't want to shake my hand. Mm. So I go back to the car and I'm devastated. I'm broken. I'm crying. And I'm like, you know, I told my husband, I said, he just said I wasn't going to be a good fit. And um, he was like, well, you didn't fail the test seven times just to stop right here. Mm. So um, I went to another real estate brokerage. And now this time I got the thought in the back of my head of rejection, like they're not going to like me. You know, I, I didn't know what I did wrong last time. So I was trying not to say anything too much. I just sat there literally and listened to this broker talk to me for two hours. And the only thing I heard him say was, I would love to have you at our brokerage. That's the only thing I heard him say. Wow. Two hours of sitting there. I didn't hear anything past that. Mm. And so um, he gave me a chance and opportunity to be a part of his brokerage. And when I became a part of his brokerage, um, the first year I did a whopping $5,000. The whole year. <laughs> the whole year, $5,000. And I was like, oh, okay. Could have made this at McDonald's, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to hang in there. 
But again, I didn't know nobody. Um, I didn't have nobody giving me any type of leads or anything. You know, when you at these companies, you know, they got the cream of the crop. They're going to make sure that the top producers stay fed. So I didn't know that at the time. So I'm literally out here busting my behind trying to get it. And then I just was like, you know what? I'm going to go door to door. Like I'm about to just start knocking on people's doors. I, I sold magazines before in my life, so I can mm. do this. Right. And I started knocking on doors and then I got my first yes from a for sale by owner and then you know um when i got that yes i was excited but then i didn't know how to do the paperwork wow yo real real quick what were you doing before you started got interested in real estate that you were this unpolished (laughs) uneducated in these particular in this area Mm -hmm. what were you doing oh you said this was 15 years so 2005 so this around katrina yes Right after Hurricane Katrina, I got into real estate. Yeah. What was life before that? What were you doing oh before that? So before Hurricane Katrina, um, well, mind you, I was I was homeless like um, a year and a half before Hurricane Katrina. Like me and my, I, I had my baby, my son at the time, and we was homeless in New Orleans up under a bridge. And from that moment, I had just got into an apartment. Okay. Hold on. Like home, homeless, you was... Sleeping on somebody's couch and you had no home? No, or no, when you no. say under we, the bridge, we, what do you mean? We stayed outside for the night and slept up under the bridge in New Orleans, the Claiborne Bridge, literally, me and my baby. The worst mm. moment of my life, literally. And that was uh that would that was a very devastating moment for me because of the simple fact I felt like a failure at that time. You know, um, you know, sitting there crying and holding him and not knowing you know, what our next move was going to be. I just know that I didn't want to be homeless. Like, it was not a good feeling. Like, I'm looking around and everybody out there look like they're supposed to be homeless. I don't, I know it deep down inside of me, I'm not going to be, like, I'm not supposed to be homeless. Like, I'm not going to be here forever. So this reality of what I'm looking at right now is not real. Like, this right here is just, this is just a moment that I'm going through, but I'm not staying here. And I think that mindset was so important for me at that time because of the simple fact if I would have accepted my reality, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you and I wouldn't have done what I've done with my real estate career if I would have just stayed in that moment. Mm. But um, before um, I got into real estate, before I decided I was going to go into real estate school, I was in New Orleans and I literally was um, <laughs> very poor. Like I lived in, um, I had got a one bedroom apartment for me and my child. Um, it was in the middle of the hood, uptown New Orleans. Mm. <laughs> um, and I was trying to go to um, a community college and I was working at a temp service. Mm. And so being that I didn't have much family because I was in foster care, I literally would leave my child with neighbors that I didn't even really know. But I just wanted to do something better for him. And that meant going to work at a temp service so I have to be there by 3 a.m. to be guaranteed work for 6 a.m. you know horrible work you know um but I did what I had to do and by the time Hurricane Katrina um came I already had my second child so I'm 19 years old with two children um and at this point (laughs) I'm like okay like I'm trying to take school more serious. Um, I'm still on government assistance. I'm getting a lot of help from the government. And then when Katrina happened, everything shut down. Food stamps didn't work. Mm. If you ain't have no money, it didn't matter. Like nothing worked, you know, and being trapped in that city for three days with no food, no water, just nothing, you know, just feeling like it's the end of days. This is a situation where you don't want to ever have to go through again. Like you thought homelessness was something you can change.
change that. But when you stuck in a city and you have no way to get out, that right there to me is like, that is the worst of the worst. Mm. And so I was like, you know what? If I get out this situation, I'll never rely on the government again. Never. Wow. <laughs> and that was the moment where I stopped relying on the government to pay my bills and to take care of my children. And although we don't say that in the natural, like we won't be like, oh yeah, the government taking care of me. But every time we go and swipe the card or every time we get a check or every time, you know what I'm saying, we go sit in somebody's office and have them look down at us because we need assistance. That is the government taking care of us, you know? Mm. And so I just didn't want that feeling no more. So when so it, it really took like to Katrina and the government, like kind of you being re removed from the uh, the lifeline mm -hmm. and saying, yo, I can't, it's, it's not stable. Yes. And then putting you in a rural area too, where they don't, they ain't giving you nothing. <laughs> like mm. that ain't giving you nothing. Like yeah. straight up. They don't care about you being poor. They don't care about you being homeless. They ain't giving you no handouts whatsoever. Unbelievable. So that was like a huge wake up call. In New Orleans, it was a it was a lot more convenient. It was easier to get government assistance. In Lafayette, they don't make it easy. Like they make it extremely hard. So you're like, what the heck? I don't have to tolerate this from you. You got a nasty attitude with me. I don't gotta listen to you. You know, like those type of things. You know, um, mm. you don't got no car to get um, to your appointment. They cancel you. They don't care. You know, in New Orleans, you can wow. reschedule. So mm. it's just a difference. Mm -mm -mm. And what gives you the audacity to, like, going through all of that uh, foster care? You got two kids sleep under a bridge, temp agency. This is a tough life. And mm -hmm. then Hurricane Katrina hits. What what made you think, yo, you know what? I'm going to do real estate. Because that, that's not a natural yeah. jump. You yeah. know what I mean? Well, what I'll tell you is this. Um, I, I mentioned that I used to sell magazines door to door, okay? And at that time when I was selling magazines door to doors, this was whenever um, I had just got pregnant with my son at the age of 16 years old, okay? Mm. So I was literally selling magazines door to door and I would see these people living in these big old houses and I'd be like, yo, what you do for a living? They're like, I'm in real estate. And so that just was kind of like a thought in the back of my head because every time I talked to somebody, they was in real estate. Mm -hmm. So I was like, man, I don't know much about that, but I, I think I want to do that. They got these big houses, you know what I'm saying? They buying magazines. They dropping $3,000 on magazine sales. So I'm like, they got to be like doing something right. So, you know, after Hurricane Katrina, when I was like, okay, what am I going to do in my life? I was like, real estate is going to be it. Mm. So you go to real estate school, fail seven times, you get your first <laughs> deal and you do it wrong. <laughs> Yes, I did it completely wrong. <laughs> I did it wrong. But you know what? I wasn't embarrassed because I didn't know. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't know. And I asked for help. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, everybody was too busy. Nobody had time. You know, so I just was like, you know what? I'm going to figure this out myself. Like, I, I'm the queen of trying to figure something out when nobody want to help me. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's what I did. And although I figured it out wrong, I may have fell, but I feel like I fell forward. Like, you know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? I knew what not to do again. And um, when my broker helped me um, with the contract finally because he wasn't busy, then I was able to sell that property. And then I realized I needed a niche in real estate because everybody was like doing the same thing. Like mm. you look around and everybody was doing it. And what makes me different? You know, like I'm like I'm already an outsider in this market because I don't have no referrals from family and friends like Katrina relocated us to a whole nother city. So I don't have allies. And like I said, everybody that like in my family, like even in my boyfriend family, who's my husband now, but even in his family, 
everybody was renters. Nobody owned yeah. nothing. Yeah, for sure. You know, so I didn't have nobody saying, hey, I want to buy a house. Mm-hmm. I had to find those people, you know, and so that's what made me start knocking door to door. I went back to what I was used to, you know, knocking on the doors and people be like, well, why would I want to work with you? Because I have time. Everybody else you're working <laughs> with, they don't have time. I got time. I'm right. at your door. Like, yeah. you know, you're not going to just be a number to me. You're going to be a client. I'm going to know you by your first name and by your last name. And I purposely studied my clients, what they like, what they didn't like. And I worked twice as hard. Like some of the things I did for listings, a lot of realtors would never do. Like I would go clean their houses for them. I would go like I would go above and beyond. What? Yes. Like I would do the extra to make sure that they understood how much I appreciated the chance and opportunity. And I will work my butt off for a referral. Unbelievable. Like you'll go clean the house. Yes, that you I will go clean. Yes, I will go clean it. Like I'm out there cleaning it. Yes, me and my my mm, husband. Yes, you literally. got a next level grind. Yeah, so <laughs> yes. you have a next level grind. But I like I wanted success so bad. Like, I, like, and people be like, "Well, what is success to you? Like, what is success? Not being homeless. Like, I don't want to be homeless no more. Like, to me, that right there was my mentor. Like, that was the worst feeling in the world. So, to me, success looked like not having to be homeless again or mm. ever worrying about being homeless again. Mm. So I would keep going until I never feel that again. Wow. So first year you made five thousand, yeah. and you're like you're hitting it. <laughs> How was the second year? Real quick? Second year, I um, end up winning Century 21 um, Ruby of the Year. I saw whoa, winning whoa, awards. Whoa, hold on. Yes. First year, 5,000. Yes. Next year, you're winning awards. Yes. Next year, I swept it. I was like, but you know what? I pay attention. Like, I seen what everybody else was doing, and I just outworked them. Like, when that, whatever they didn't want, I took it. I didn't care if it was slops to them. I didn't care about none of that. I was the person that did everything, and they didn't have to pay me for it. And I think that's why I was able to pass them up in business because of the simple fact I knew what the bigger picture was for me at that time so here it is they like they they may be laughing because I'm like the person who'd be like oh give Terrica the open house oh give Terrica that runner's lead oh give this to Terrica like give me all the slaps but at the end of the day I'm sitting here converting but these people that I'm converting with they know other people of um, a higher level that's looking to do something completely different and so again Again, just moving forward and not worrying about what it looks like to everybody else and and just doing what you have to do to be successful. I think that's what separated me from them. So I did everything. This like you want to open house? Yep. You want to take phone duty? Yep. You want to go here? Yep. You got time? Yep. Like there was never a no. Like I miss birthday parties. I miss graduations. I miss big events. I miss funerals. Mm. I missed a lot of things and I don't regret it because I, I know what it's like when I was homeless and nobody would help me. Yeah. So I don't regret having to miss out on a few fun activities just so I can get me and my family from this generational curse of what my ancestors didn't break. Like, I don't mind having to sacrifice a graduation. There's going to wow. be plenty more. Oh, my gosh. You're, I mean, even your story is, like, giving me chills right <laughs> now because I can just imagine, and only you really know the feeling, but I can imagine, like, the mindset you had, like, yo, I am going to work. Some people say they, they grind, but this is a real... I don't care how I look. I don't care how ugly it is. I don't care how small the deal is. Yeah. I'm taking it, yeah. which turns you into the number one realtor. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, I passed everybody in the office. I worked like a Hebrew. <laughs> <laughs> 
So at what point did you slow down and say, okay, I'm going to start focusing my attention on? Well, like I said, I had to find a niche and I'm always paying attention. And what so was the niche? My niche is investors. investors. So I realized that um, a lot of people wasn't talking about investors, right? At this time, investors wasn't sexy like it mm-hmm. is right now, right? And so I was like, you know what? How can I find me some investors? Because I know investors, they don't just buy one property. Mm-hmm. They buy a lot of property. So I'm like, all right. So I start going to gas stations by foot, okay? Literally by foot, gas station to gas station. You're making me feel yeah. so lazy right now. I, I am a lazy. This is crazy. Yeah, I would go to gas station to gas station. I park my little raggedy Mustang and I would just walk. You know, you can tell when I pull up, my Mustang was like, like it was this loud <laughs> siren or whatever. And so I went to one gas station and um, I asked for the owner. And so the owner came out and his name was Twafik and he was, you know, um, he was young, kind of like my age or whatever the case may be. And I'm like, you know, look, I'm looking at, you know, helping investors build their real estate portfolio. If you're looking to buy something, just let me know. And he was like, oh, I already got a realtor, as in most of them already do. Right. Mm. So I was like, but I'll work for free. Mm. I'll work for free. It's like, oh, okay. So. He found a property. He used me to buy that property. And then he had a property he needed to sell and I worked for free. And so by doing that, it showed him how tenacious I was and that I wanted to build a real investor relationship. Like I didn't just want a one-off. And so at the time, a lot of realtors just wanted the one-offs. They only cared about what the investor would call him and say, hey, I got this property. So you hold, know. Hold, hold on to you. So yeah. you go to the... Tafik, mm-hmm. Tafik. Mm-hmm. You say Tafik. I'm going to find you an investment property, or I'm going to help you with the investment property paperwork, and you mm-hmm. don't have to pay me a dime. Mm-hmm. No commission. No, no. I needed the money too. I ain't lying. I did need it, but I knew it was bigger than that. I was, I had to separate myself. Like I had to, and that's what separated me. You know, um, Tafik. We call him Sam because it's easier to say Sam. But um, so you still work with Sam? Yes. Yes, he is still my favorite person. Yes, because wow. he he literally seen how tenacious I was and he didn't just stop with one. Like one year, him and James bought like 10 properties with me back to back. Boom, 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 mm. boom, boom. Like just nonstop, you know? And then they start telling other people about me. They like, no, you got to use my girl T. Like she, you know, she helping me do this and this and that. And you know, rich people know rich people. It's just what it is, yeah. you know? So when they tell somebody else about me, I just increase myself to this person person and now to the next person and it just it's a dominoes effect it just keeps on going and so me exchanging that transaction and saying nah don't worry about getting me nothing I'm good I'm good turned into them still to this day taking care of me just like in like between him maybe his friends investments what do you think you've made from millions of dollars with them millions of dollars millions of transactions yes Yes, millions, millions, literally. And that's no, that's not even no hype. Like, I mean, they wouldn't even take the credit. Like every year I used to do like a um, luncheon for all my investors mm-hmm. and I would give like these trophies and it would be like this, this, this extravagant and they wouldn't even take it because they, they don't, they not like that. They like, I just want to see you win. Like, that's just how they are. Like, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? I was trying every kind of way to oh show love gosh. to them. But I mean. This story is so important for people, especially now in, in the age of like, I want to present myself as this particular type of person. Yeah. But we just got to work. And, yo, this ain't even for the crowd. This is for me. I'm thinking of, yo, how many opportunities did I miss 
because of my own maybe arrogance <laughs> or because I, I want to return on my investment of time or energy, mm-hmm. how many opportunities I've missed by not just doing the work. Yeah. Unbelievable. Okay. So you're, you're working with these investors. When did you put your own money up? So that's funny. So now I get to the point where I'm like, all right, I'm doing better. So I um, I got my tax return in. It was like $5,000. It was the whole tax return. I'm like, I know, like I was making this money, but I wasn't retaining it. So I still was living paycheck to paycheck. Like I still literally was waiting on the next closing to pay this bill and that bill. So although I'm doing this right and to everybody else, oh, she number one, she killing it. I'm like, yo, I'm still trying to like keep my head <laughs> right. above water. Like, you know yeah. what I'm saying? The habits, right? The habits. That's yeah. right. Because no, again, that's not taught. That's not talked about. Yeah. Right. So it's something you got to go and learn for yourself yourself and um so anyway so I'm like okay I need to do something different like if I'm helping all of these investors and I'm paying attention they're always putting money out they're not afraid to put money out and here it is I get a few thousand dollars from my real estate commissions and I'm like coveting it I'm like this is it like you know what I'm saying and I'm quick to go get my nails done and my hair done and get my shoes but I'm I'm slow to invest it into anything that can possibly yield me a return that's so backwards I didn't think that was backwards at the time yeah. But now that now that I'm older, I see yeah. that that's backwards thinking, right? And so um, I said, all right, I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it, right? I had everything due. Bank account looked like it's on life support. It was struggling mm. to breathe, okay? Ray it, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I just took my tax return and I found a property. I um, picked it up for $5,000. I put $3,000, my real estate commission, into it. So you bought it for five thousand. Yes. Did you have to pay cash? Five thousand yes. cash. My tax return. I used my no, yeah, tax yeah, return. Yeah, your tax return. Yes. You paid the five thousand. Yeah. And then to fix it up was three thousand. What kind of house is this? Yes. Like, Look, let me tell you something. Again, <laughs> I only did what I, I work with what I had, right? Mm-hmm. So if you got a shoestring budget, you got a shoestring budget. A lot of people don't know this, but the family dollar sell flooring. It's the pill and stick. Okay. What? Yes. So me and my husband literally in that house putting pill and stick down. We painting. Okay, we're going to reuse stores to get wood, to get plumbing stuff, everything. Okay, Mm. bathtubs like we got a bathtub for twenty dollars. Like we literally was putting in the work to go find these deals. That's all we had to work with. If you don't have a whole lot of money, you ain't about to go look at things that cost a whole lot of money. Mm -hmm. You're going to figure out how to make it happen. And that's what we did. And so we um, fixed that property up, total all in $8,000. Now we got to get it appraised because I know that my investors, again, watching how the rich handle money is what taught me that I needed to do something different. Mm -hmm. So I took that property and I went to my banker. The importance of having a relationship with a bank. I sent all my investors to this one particular bank. Mm -hmm. My credit was not that good. Again, nobody teaches us how to maintain our credit, how important it is. It's your name whenever Mm -hmm. you're going out there or whatever the case may be. So on paper, I should have never got a loan. Mm. But being that I've sent so much business over to this bank, the banker said, Terrica, we're going to take a chance on you. So what did you need a loan for? Because I wanted to go and invest into more properties. So you, oh, so you got this one property, 8000 What did it appraise for? 60000 Really? 
yes. Do those still exist? Yes, yes, they do. Yes. Am I going to get one? <laughs> yes. Well, if I call you and be like, hey, D, I got a property. Is this amount? And you'd be like, really? I'm trusting you yes. forever. Comes real estate. I was nervous about that little $35,000. Yeah. $35, I was like, I, I, you know, I had so many questions. I, I never, especially coming off this loss, I, I, I lost about 16000 last year in a property so like I'm just oh my gosh but I'm ready um, but yes now when you call whatever you say <laughs> I'm just leaning on that so <laughs> it invested for 60000 yes and it appraised for $60,000 it appraised for sixty. Yeah. you still have that property yes I do how long ago was that 2012. Mm, so eight years ago, mm-hmm. you still have it. Mm-hmm. And it's still giving you paying money every $500 single month. $500 every single month. Mailbox money. I just go get my money every single month. I love it. And I people love, love that house. I mean, it's my little huckleberry. they like, what is your favorite property? Is it the is it the buildings you built? Is it the communities you developed? Nah, it's that one little house that got me started. Did you at least fix the floors? Did you take the stickers <laughs> off? <laughs> we eventually start upgrading it more. Gotcha. But I mean, the bank appraisal it at 60. Yeah. So, I mean, that showed you how hard we worked in that For thing sure. to make it nice. Sure. And let me tell you, I'm pretty creative when it comes to designs because I love design. Mm-hmm. So, I didn't just, like... For instance, I knew I wanted mosaic in the kitchen. Mm. I couldn't afford mosaic. So I got the peel and stick mosaic. But not only did I get the peel and stick mosaic, I got the kind that was a 3D pop-off that looked like real glass (laughs) mosaic. And guess what? The bank loved it too. (laughs) They didn't ask me if that was glass or not. Amazing. So they, I mean, again, appraisal is just one man's opinion. And and by the grace of God, we got a good opinion and value. Mm. And I took that... And so the bank could loan you up to 80% of that value. So you take that about $48,000 and now the bank says 80%, I'll loan you up to 80%, but now I have a $48,000 down payment I can put down. So that Mm -hmm. means I can go buy a quarter million dollar real estate deal now. Quarter million. Oh, because you need 20%. Yeah. If you take the 48,000, you could put it into, I got you, got you. Okay. Ooh, ooh, this is getting good. So you invest five thousand, and then another three thousand for the mm-hmm. for the um, the construction, fi- you know, fixing it up. And now you have the sixty thousand dollar property, and you pulled the forty eight thousand out, mm-hmm. and you took the forty eight thousand, and you bought what with it? I bought another property. So I started rehabbing. So being that they would give me a quarter million dollars, I bought two rehabs. And so with those two rehabs, there's less than. And I'm sorry, this twenty percent thing. Do you need? Like, do you need a particular type of credit or anything like that? Typically, yes. You know, like, I'm not going to lie to people. Like, you know, they got hard money lenders who are a lot more lenient. But Uh, back then, they didn't. the hard money lenders wasn't as attractive as they are now. So you really needed a relationship with a bank. And so being that I had this newfound relationship with this bank because I didn't sent them so much business, Mm -hmm. you know, they was loaning me money on rehabs and on rental properties. And so the money that they gave gave me, I just used it to go make more money. And then eventually they gave me a line of credit. So mm. the line of credit means here is a hundred thousand dollars, Terrica, go spend it however you want. So with the with the forty eight thousand, what type of property did you buy, your second one? So the second one was a rehab. Okay. And How I much, well, give me some numbers on that. Oh 
I don't remember. I just know that I, I didn't go over $100,000 with it because of the simple fact I, I bought two. Mm. And so they would only give me up to a quarter million dollars because of my down payment capabilities. Gotcha. I only had that $48,000 to yeah. work with. Um, but I think I may have made like maybe $15,000 or something like that in profit from it. Um, so you did a fix and flip on that? Yeah, gotcha. I did a fix and flip. I did a fix and flip on both of them. Gotcha. Um, and then after I finished those two, then I went and bought another rental property mm. just a single property I, I wasn't buying doors wasn't as attractive at that time because I only can buy what I can afford yeah. I couldn't afford 10 doors or 100 doors so I just bought a door at a time yeah you know and then um I bought my second rental property which was like forty thousand dollars it appraised for eighty thousand and that was the key every time I bought something I made sure it had equity in mm-hmm. it and the equity is what keeps me going into the next property gotcha. so being that my properties had so much equity into it the bank would just create like they can pledge from they can cross pledge equity meaning they can take equity from one property and pledge it for you a down payment on another property Mm. and I never have to pull cash out of my pocket because the properties I buy have so much equity in it so people may be like but you're using all your equity no that's not the case because you're gonna always buy up you're never gonna buy at market value that don't make sense you buy a deal where you have equity. And so now I that's that's considered leverage as well, right? I leverage one property to get another property to continue growing my real estate portfolio. Mm-hmm. So I leveraged that $5,000 I had and turned that into 250 plus doors in real estate that I have. Wow. Why? Because I started with $5,000 and I leveraged up. Now my equity is retarded because the, um, the first property property I started off with that's paid for in full yeah that's paid for in full yeah the first property is is, even after you took out the The 48,000 yeah that's already back it's paid back that's back wow wow okay so it started with one and you just pieced it to get like prop one property at a time yeah Talk to me about the the, the the mixing strategy between fix and flip and buy and hold. Because mm-hmm. some people just do fix and flips and we just want, you know, this influx mm-hmm. of cash. But you're teaching me, like, kind of how to how to mix it. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So, so what is your suggestion? Let's just use my situation. Okay. okay? Uh, free coaching right here. Okay. So <laughs> so I, I we invested 35000 It'll come back with, you know, like 50 or whatever. Let's just say, what do I do with that money now? So what I told you we're going to do is we're going to do another rehab because we need the influx of cash, right? Mm -hmm. But we're also going to be looking at a unit for you, whether it's a single unit, a duplex, triplex, fourplex, it don't really matter at this point. We're looking at getting you into some type of buy and hold where you can create residual income because although everybody makes rehab sexy, it is extremely high risk investment, Mm -hmm. extremely high risk, right? And your money can sit there for a very long period of time if the market, if anything happens within the market. And so I always tell you, it's very important to make sure you diversify. Don't just be in a buy and hold market, right? Um, so for us, being that we develop, we buy and hold, we have rehabs going on, um, and we're constantly, constantly buying every day, every day, then that allows us to be diversified with our real estate portfolio. And for you, that's that's very important to make sure that you don't just have all your eggs in one basket in real estate. You want to make sure that, you know, um, in real estate, you have an entire portfolio, right? All right, let's do some quick math. 
The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you can keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headache, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. It just makes sense. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit from NetSuite? I know you see it. Listen to me. If you have everything scattered in business, you cannot grow. And everything is more expensive when you have more and more processes layered on top of each other, more and more softwares. You got to get out of that. And it, it will improve efficiency and cut costs. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com slash social proof. That's NetSuite.com slash social proof. NetSuite.com slash social proof. It's so important that black voices are represented in black media for so many different reasons. And the next generation of black uh, voices and influencers from black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collections, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. And every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Smyrta to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. I listen and I'm enjoying these conversations that are for us, by us. Black representation, again, it hasn't always been uh, shared from our perspective. And black perspectives haven't been censored in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR. Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen to the Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get podcasts. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
So you have money. I always say, make sure you have money into a real estate investment trust, right? That's mm -hmm. money that's just, you know, working for you by experts who study the markets all day, every day. That's kind of like a stock investment in real estate, a right? A real estate investment trust. You got to break yeah. that down for yeah. me. Yeah. So, so it's just, it's just a stock investment in real estate. So you own a share of um, of um, an investment that, so for instance, if you put in um, Fundrise $500, right, you have a tiny percentage of ownership and they'll pay you dividends annually on gotcha. that investment. And are these like, um, like, like they're on the stock market? Fundrise, I'm not sure if they're public traded. I believe they are, but no, it's not like that. It's, um, they go and acquire class A Gotcha. Um, apartments and um, investments like that. Mm. But um, that's a real estate investment trust. They're usually in some type of commercial arena investment. Gotcha. Then you have the um, buy and hold, right? That's your apartments. That's your duplexes, your fourplexes. Then you have, um, and even single family, right? A lot of people don't talk about single family, but mm. I don't know why people turn their nose up at it, right? Because right. you can look at it one or two ways. A lot of people like, I don't like single family because that means I got to go to 50 different houses and collect 50 different rent checks. Well, I can argue that you can have one bad tenant that can corrupt a whole entire apartment complex and collect no rent from that building mm. in general, and now you got a big mortgage due. You get what I'm saying? So wow. it, it goes both ways, you know? Um, and I'm not saying one is better than the other. I'm saying you need to be in all of it. And mix it, yeah. You, you know, um, diversify. And then you got, the buy, you got the rehabs, which is the most sexy, and that's what everybody talk about, and that's what HGTV promote and all these shows is, you know, put all this money here and you're going to make all of this money, right? And you don't see the in-betweens or whatever take place. But during those in-between times, you need something to be able to hold you down to make sure if that investment not selling, you have a portfolio performing somewhere that can take care of those investments that's not performing. Because what happens is if you only have this investment and it's not performing and now it's taken from your earned income, meaning the income you go to work to make that's used to pay for your living, now you're taken away and now it's becoming a liability. It's not an asset to you anymore because it's taking money from your pockets. So that's why it's important to make sure that your real estate portfolio is performing for itself and you not having to take out of your pocket to make that perform. Gotcha. That's not gotcha. a good investment. Gotcha, gotcha. So in, in, in our scenario, we're going to do another fix and flip, but what if it takes... Um, I mean, it, it probably take a little longer and then we, we just kind of wait for that. Then we go into, unless we find a really good deal, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So again, if like, we're looking for two things for you, we're looking for buy and hold and we're looking for, um, rehabs. Right. Right. So whichever one comes first, right. but what we're not going to do is take all of your money you have and just put it in a buy and hold. And gotcha. then you can't do nothing with me for a year because then gotcha. what's the point? Yeah. Right. So you, that defeats the purpose of diversifying your portfolio yeah. so what we're looking to do is take what you have and create as many vehicles as we possibly can to drive for you yeah. we can't just put it over here in buy and hold and then you stay there for a year yeah. or two years or three years however long it takes 
um, unless it have a certain amount of equity and then we can pull that equity and go put it into another vehicle. But gotcha. sometimes if you, depending on the amount of um, investment funds you have available, you may not get a whole lot of equity in your deal because of how you have to buy at this particular time. Mm -hmm. So it's important to see the deal, analyze the deal and say, okay, yeah, this buy and hold makes sense because they have enough equity where I can pull out and get that same money that I would use for a rehab. Mm -hmm. I'll be able to just take it from here and put it over here to start still working me. But if you buy a buy and hold and it can't move for you and it's just sitting, mm -hmm. then it's not going to be a really great vehicle for you. Gotcha. Do you do Airbnb? No, I have not gotten into the Airbnb market yet. I have friends that have Airbnb Um well, I did it once in New Orleans before they banded it, but I didn't get it. They banned it? Well, yeah. So the areas where you want to do Airbnb in New Orleans, mm. you can't. So for me, I'm like, well, I don't want to just be in the city and not right. be like on Bourbon Street and, you know, um, St. Charles Street. Like mm. they got restrictions on where you can do Airbnb and it's definitely not in the tourist attractions gotcha, where they gotcha. go. So for me, um, I don't really play in the Airbnb market because we're in a, um, you got to be in a big metro city like where you're at right now mm -hmm. this is a great place to do airbnb but in lafayette louisiana that's not so great to do because we don't get a lot of traffic right. um other than festival international you know um and in new orleans where the ideal areas would be for airbnb they have bands on them so i don't particularly like to play in again areas where it's a, a um, high risk of me not yielding a return gotcha gotcha but i think it's very lucrative and i also tell people that is a way for you to get into real estate if you're in the metro area and you want to do Airbnb but you can't afford to buy something and or have ownership then you can easily go rent out an apartment complex furnish it get you a cleaning team and have um and hire you a little assistant to go and open it up and make yeah. sure your guest is settled and rent it out collect the money and then do it again you know over and over again like that's a quick and easy way to get into real estate mm. yo tiffany was telling me that for she's like she buying properties in bulk like <laughs> like 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 wholesale properties i'm like what i buy t-shirts wholesale like yeah. what do you mean by you're buying properties so so walk me through what she's doing and yes mm -hmm. Tiffany we all in your business um, so so to walk, well, she I think she, she's okay with it. <laughs> so like what what is the strategy that's going on because she just mm -hmm. started this year with you yeah right yeah she has 22 doors so what I'll say about Tiffany is this right so um, Hold on, she just started this year with you and she has 22 doors now yeah <laughs> I can't wait to get 22 doors. I want to say it I want to y'all got X amount of doors you know what I'm saying? <laughs> all right go ahead yeah. Um, so what I'll say is this, right? We're very strategic in how we invest. We don't just invest off of feelings or because of hype. We invest on a real business plan. And we sat down and we realized how many doors she would actually need to replace her current income. Mm. Tiffany needs 98 doors to replace her current income. Mm. So 98 doors and we do $100 per door in cash flow per month. So meaning $100 mm -hmm. in doors mm -hmm. cash flow per month. Mm -hmm. So you profit $100 off each door? That's the worst. That right. is the worst. Like that don't really happen, but we like to we like to prepare the worst. Is that worth it? $100? Listen, though, I love when people say that. I love when you say that. Oh, I know. Curiosity. I love it. All right. So this is, but think about it. We not, whenever we say $100, it's to replace you. Meaning you work a nine to five, okay? And you have to go to work to make this money, okay? Mm -hmm. Well, if you do $100 times 
fifty. That's five thousand dollars to replace that person. Right. You don't usually make a hundred dollars in cash flow. It's usually four or five hundred dollars in cash flow right. that you'll make from a property, mm-hmm. if not more, twelve hundred dollars, right? Mm-hmm. So I use the lowest of what I would take on a property to say, okay, this is the bare minimum you need to start replacing you. So if Tiffany have ninety eight, um, if she need ninety eight doors and the minimum is a hundred, that's ninety eight hundred dollars a month, right? Well, if you making $9,800 a month and now you have 100 doors that's producing the worst of the worst at $9,800 a month, you are replacing yourself. But now you just doubled your income because mm-hmm. you already make $9,800. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. now you're making an additional $9,800 with the amount of doors you have. Now, we know that that number is going to be way higher. But who wants to plan for only a good market? I want to I wanna do my numbers based on a recession. Based on the worst of the Mm, worst. So that way, when you say is $100 worth it? Absolutely. Because the highest is up there five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars in cash flow. I can be making off of one property. And if I have 98 doors times $600, you're going to be like, heck yeah, it's worth it, right? right. But if I'm saying, but I just want to make sure that I can replace myself, I just want to replace my income. Then you look at it from that picture and the answer is absolutely. So how, how, that seems tough to get 22 doors. Like I need to know Mm -hmm. how she did that in Mm -hmm. a short period of time. Like how you're walking people through like you were telling me, um, uh, uh, Miss Thomas, and like how how are you getting so many properties? Like it feels like mm-hmm. you need a million dollars to just start buying up properties like that. No, you don't need a million dollars. You just have to have knowledge, right? Everybody think money is first, and it's not. The knowledge is first. So, like for instance, I know that everybody is not gonna be able to go to the bank. Mm-hmm. But what if I can find people who's willing to be the bank? Explain that. Explain (laughs) that. Walk me through it. You're talking spicy right now. So, for instance, there's owners who sit and own properties who want to move their property, but they're not able to find a buyer to be able to move the property. But what if there's a buyer who may not have the credit, but they have a little resource, they have a few dollars that they want to put here and get started in a business venture. What if I put these two people together, the owner has now started generating income off of a property he's been trying to sell and this person who was looking to do this this business is now able to start their business or start their investments or whatever the case may be because now they found somebody to be the bank for them. Mm. So now we just created a whole new alternative. And so with Tiffany's strategy, right, um, we far from 98 doors. We know that, right? But we know we have a five or six year plan and we're very aggressive. 22 doors ain't bad though. Yeah. (laughs) But what happens is this, Tiffany is on punishment. She can't spend no extra money. She can't get her hair done. She can't get her nails done. She can't buy no shoes. Like she can't do anything. And at first she fought me on it. I'm like, look, I can't like, I'm, I'm telling you what I had to do. I had to literally look like I was, um, a health hazard, if you would say, to get to where I'm at today. I couldn't afford to keep on looking good with everybody else. It's, it's more to that than the J's we put on our feet and the MK's we buying and all of this other stuff. There's more to it, but we've gotten so used to living with these luxuries that we feel inadequate without them. So she's on punishment. So every single penny she makes have to go into her investment account. Wow. 
So it amazes her how much money she has put in there in that short period of time. And it haven't been no million dollars. Like, you know, um, I think if I'm speaking honestly, you know, we may be looking at, I mean, when we first started, her first one was $10,000. She got her first two doors with $10,000. Then we put in another $10,000 and she got another 10 doors. Then she put in- Oh, you put in another, hold on. Two doors, you put in $10,000, you got two doors. Mm -hmm. And then she put in another 10,000 and got 10 more doors? Yes. So on that deal, it was a partnership deal, and it's a deal where it's um, the, the the building is horrible. We have to go in and renovate it. So we got more money to put into it, but we brought them in at $10,000. Mm. You get what I'm saying? So that building is going to be worth the half a million dollars when we finish fixing it up. How much you got to put into it? About two fifty. Two fifty, And where are you going to get it from? Salt? Yep. Ooh! Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. So, um, so, and then we have another, we have another set where it's, um, she just, um, closed on a few days ago, another 10 doors. And with those 10 doors, they're already rented out. It, we have equity and she put in, I don't know, 60,000, maybe six, some, six, some thousand dollars. So about 60 some thousand dollars. So collectively she probably looking at 80, $85,000 that she put in but when you go from this is not somebody who had a whole savings right yeah. this is somebody who listened and put themselves on punishment yeah. and said all right i'm gonna listen to you every single penny i have yeah. extra that i'm gonna bring in i'm gonna put it over here yeah. and she did so she dropped everything into that account everything like everything and so um her husband wanted to um install this new data so she like no we're on punishment go put that money over there. You know what I'm saying? Anytime right. a bonus come in, she like, nope, I ain't going on a trip. Put that money over there. Yeah. Oh, my kids want to go? No, uh-uh, put that money over there. And before you know it, like the money we put out as consumers, it's retarded. Yeah. It's a reason why the hair business is a billion dollar industry. We go there, we drop $100 in less than 30 minutes. It takes most people, if you make $10 an hour, you just put in... And you and you spent a hundred dollars. You put in ten hours. Yeah. You just gave ten hours of your life there. You know, <laughs> so ten hours of your life. Mm -hmm. So if you don't put in ten hours over there, that hundred dollars ain't coming back. Yeah, them hours ain't coming mm -hmm. back. So That's why so not put that money over there? What's gonna come back? Yeah. And the hours are a whole lot less. Yeah, we wow. just have to think about that differently. So let me let me let me ask you. Let's say there's somebody out there and they have two thousand mm -hmm. um, dollars to begin this process of wealth building what would be your coaching i would say number one buy my board game because that teaches you leverage Talk about a board. you got yes. the board game on you yes where is it at? yes is it in the car over, still no it's over there all right, I'm out. yes okay, yes so it's over there right <laughs> no oh, okay well i left it in the car sorry yeah okay Yes. All right. So, all right. So what developers teaches you is exactly what I started with, with my $5,000 as um, a real estate investor. Um, when I first bought my first rental property, like I didn't have a whole lot of money. So I had to start with what I have. So to get you to start thinking about leveraging, leveraging allows you to be able to duplicate your wealth at a, at a high level and do it extremely fast. So while a lot of people are looking to save a hundred thousand dollars and get a hundred thousand dollars and 
and start with $100,000. You got people out there that's really starting with $5,000. They're just leveraging it. And so for me, I always say, you know, first you want to start with developers, right? You want to start with the board game. Board game. This yes. Is <laughs> this is hard. Yes. And, and from there, you know, once you understand that, that terminology, the talk of leverage and how you can literally take something very small and build it to something very big, there's no going back to the, there's no going back to that mindset of, oh, I don't have enough because everything that you're using, everything you're going to um, look at investing, it's going to go into yourself. It's going to go into your own portfolio. So... So the first thing I see are these liability cards. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Student loan debt pay five thousand. Uh, credit card debt pay three thousand. Car payment. These are the liabilities, right? Mm-hmm. And, all right. So walk me through the game and how you play it. Okay. So the heavenly the, blessings. And every now and again, you get a heavenly blessing. Look, that's, that's life. Sometimes right, heavenly right. blessings just happen. Yeah. You know, sometimes <laughs> heavenly blessings just happen. Mm. So, all right. So how you play this game is is real simple. You have to you have to diversify your portfolio. Meaning, you start. You have to acquire a rental property, a multifamily property, a commercial property, and then you got to buy a block. Once you acquire real estate in each and every last one of those industries, then you're able to move into the part of the the city where you're able to collect the keys to the city. The whole objective to the game is to collect the keys to the city. And the keys to the city, if you're a developer, trust me, you're going to get the keys to the city because they want you to develop. When you develop, you're bringing in tax dollars. That's the difference between owning and renting. When you owning something, they're going to give you something. They're going to give you a whole lot more um, in the city versus being a tenant and, you know, you're not really adding to the tax value in, in a sense, right? You just paying bills. So that's mm. the difference. And that so, is the key. The keys yeah, to the that's city. the keys to the city. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And so in there you have um, you you have several obstacles you got to go through. Right. You have life, you have liability and you have assets. So the life cards are real simple. They're going to be either good or bad. Life can be good. Life can be bad. It just all depends on the card that you pull. Then you have the liability cards. Right. Liability is what takes money out of your pocket. We know we Oh, we spend money reckless. So like on some of these liability cards, you'll pull, you know, new shoes you just bought or whatever the case may be, $2,000. <laughs> Thank you. And then you, you'll have assets. So you'll have assets and the assets add money to your pocket. And so we teach you the difference between liabilities, assets and life. A lot of people think they can't get ahead because life keep happening to them. Well, guess what? Life happens to everybody. You got to keep on going around. Mm, what made you put this game, this board game together? Because so many people keep asking me, hey, how did you become a developer? Like, where did you start at? Like, and I don't You can have- learn real estate through this board game. Yes, yes, absolutely. You can learn how to leverage through this board game. And so if you pu- get, if you use that card right there, David, I'll show you. Like, yeah, just pull that commercial card. Mm-hmm. Commercial property investment number yeah. one. So the acquisition on here, the acquisition price is $100,000. Your rental income on here is 10000 The leverage amount is 80000 so, so acquisition price, 100000 Rental income is 10000 mm-hmm. You're saying if, you, if, if it takes $100,000 to acquire cash, mm-hmm. you'll probably get about $10,000 in rental income. On this card, yes. On this card, yes. Mm-hmm. 
leverage oh, yeah, amount investment. eighty thousand. Yes, that's what the bank is going to give you. Remember, I said the bank would give you eighty, right? And you would just have to put up twenty. So what happens is, if you was to pull, if you get another card, maybe like a um, yeah, they got different industries. And on the back, so, on the bottom, it says bankruptcy and foreclosure bids start at fifty percent of acquisition price. Yes, because you definitely can end up going through foreclosure and bankruptcy through this game. Oh, so this yes. is real life. Huh? Yeah, this is real life. Oh, so for crazy. instance, let's say you. Um, you have a rental property, you have, and the mortgage cards shows that you have a mortgage on the property, mm -hmm. okay? All right, so these are all of the cards right here. I wanna play. You know, I was supposed to set up a, like, an event. I wanna play Yes, a game. a game night. All right, so this is development. You got multifamily, and then you got the rental property, okay? Mm -hmm. So what happens is, it is extremely hard to get $200,000 um, playing this game. It right. is not easy. Right. Like, you're gonna scream, you're gonna be frustrated because you're gonna pass this so many times, but you're not gonna have enough money to get it because you have to understand leverage, you have to get through life, mm. and you have to avoid the liabilities that's gonna take place. So if you look at this property, the other cards you had, which, well, it doesn't matter. So let's just say on here, you can leverage this card for $40,000. Let's say you have 160,000 cash in your hand, mm -hmm. okay? You can go and give this card to the bank. Right. The bank is gonna give you 40,000. Yep. And so you'll have 200,000. And then you can come and buy this property. Gotcha. But it's extremely hard to leverage up to this amount. And we made it difficult because what we don't want is for people to think, oh, you can leverage and it becomes easy. No, sometimes you can leverage and just be stuck in the leverage mm -hmm. and never get out of it because you don't have enough equity and you gotta keep on generating income. And so playing the board game, it allows you to generate that income, but it takes you a minute to get to that 200000 But once you've accumulated this, now you have to make it to the keys to the city without going bankrupt. Wow. You own Lafayette, don't you? <laughs> I bet you own the whole city, don't you? <laughs> no, I just have a lot of friends. <laughs> Yo, and uh, like putting your team together. So you were telling me um, about your, your team, which, it, which I thought was like phenomenal. Um, on how you built your salt capital investing yes. company. Yes. How did you do it? So I went to people that I've worked with over the years. So everybody who's on the team, I've helped build their portfolios. So, so they- are recruiting people, like these are people that you helped. Yeah, that started with- So it ain't like, I'm about to start this company, hey, I need you to work. It's yeah, like, yeah. I've helped you build. Yes, I've helped yeah. you build. So let's go back and give what we've learned away to the folks. Oh, and wow. so like, so my partners are all, were all investors of mine. Mm -hmm. Like during my normal days, I would say, you know? Right, right, right. <laughs> um, they all were investors of mine. And um, the management team, we've I've helped each and every last one of them um, in their real estate investing. And so, you know, it's a family business. And the truth, like I told you, like for the first six months, nobody got paid nothing that's all capital. Like this was really, you had to believe in the vision of wanting to help other people more than you wanted to help yeah. yourself. So the Hebrew hours we put in, the late nights, the early mornings, the meetups, the phone calls, everything. Like nobody got paid nothing off of that. All of that was free labor that went into the company to be able to build others. Yeah. And that's important to have a team that's that solid behind you so can't nobody come and tell me somebody's greedy or somebody's yeah. trying to take advantage of somebody because I know the people that I'm I'm with like I know that these are not those people gotcha gotcha so um how easy is it to to get or not easy but what is the process of becoming a salt investor 
Yes. So I would say this. Um, in order to become a salt investor, um, you have to become a member, right? And in order to become a member, you have to be approved. Now, it's not about credit or anything like that. It's about your level of risk tolerance with real estate investing because we are investors. So if you are a high risk individual where you are afraid of losing money, then we recommend for you just to be a member only, not an investor. So that way you can get the the education you need to understand the importance of investing. Um, and if you do qualify to be an investor, then you can sign up to become an investor. So but anybody can be a member, but you, but there's an investor qualification. Yes, absolutely. And I recommend everybody, like if you like, if you interested in understanding how I do a lot of this, like go to like the first step I would say is this. You know, Salt Capital is a, a place to help people get started with um, real estate education and investing. Mm -hmm. Developers board game, that teaches you and your family right away. Like Perfect. to me, that's more important because of the simple fact um, they're equally important, but I think when you bring your kids along the journey, it's, it's, it just feels yeah, good. For sure. For you sure. know, like I love my kids um, being a part of the journey because I know if I was to close my eyes, they would understand um, what I didn't understand sitting in that real estate class. Yeah. Um, uh, last thing, because uh, we, we got to go see a property, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. So, so Terika came out here. She got a, a you know potential deal that she's going to look at, and she's allowing me to come through. Can I be yes, a part of it? Yes, yes. I can get down. If it's a good deal, yeah. If it's a good deal, i in there. Yes. <laughs> All right, so... Um, one thing you were telling me about is the uh, the HOA, mm -hmm. right? Because you're like you're the developer, mm -hmm. meaning you've in the developer developer and builder are different, right? Yeah. How so? Because a developer goes in and they're the ones who's putting in all of the money for the hard costs, like the roads, the street lights, the mm -hmm. infrastructure and stuff like that to get the subdivision going. The um, builders come in and they'll come and buy the lots, right? They'll buy a lot from the developer and say, I want 10 lots on such and such street and I'm going to build 10 homes in your neighborhood. So the, the builder buys the lot. Mm -hmm. from the developer. Mm -hmm. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Sometimes the builder can be the developer. So like in my case, we um, we are the builders and the developers. We do it both. We gotcha. don't sell our lots outside of our group. We keep everything. You don't sell the lot? No. So when you go in blank canvas land, you own the land. Mm -hmm. And when a builder comes in, they just build on top of the land, but don't own the land? No, they own the land. So we'll sell them the lot. So what happens right. is whenever we go in and develop a community, we, we divide it up into lots, mm -hmm. right? So let's just say a subdivision have 100 lots. Um, a builder can come in and say, I want to buy five of your 100 lots. So they have five addresses that they own. So gotcha. those five homes in that neighborhood is owned by that builder. And you as the developer own everything else unless you decide to sell it to other builders. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so when they buy those five, they own that land and whatever they build on top of it. Mm -hmm. So you don't make any money as the developer when they sell the house to somebody. No, no. Just the land. Yeah, unless you, well, so as a developer, though, if you have HOAs, Homeowners Association, then you do still get paid off of the residents that live there because they're going to pay their their dues and you as the developer get the dues get all the dues yes the hoa mm -hmm. yes you know what's and i guess i never thought about it because i have an hoa and there's a group of people that <laughs> they just like you pay them you know they 
uh, when I moved in, they had to give me like the the key to the pool and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But I never really thought like who, where's that money go? Like who makes the decisions? So you are the develop, you are the developer. Mm-hmm. You sell some lots to the builder, mm-hmm. and then all of the people who buy houses in this area in this community pay you an HOA yep. for staying there. To maintain that neighborhood, yes. So who decides when the HOA increases? The developer. Why do they increase? Well, because sometimes, you know, um, costs go up. You know, taxes go up on common areas. Um, the pool maintenance, you just talked about your swimming pool, yeah. right? That gets expensive. And um, sometimes we account for a certain budget and it don't remain. It goes over. And so a lot of times the developers have to eat that overage. So the next year we don't want to eat that overage. So we're going to make sure that the community is paying for the amenities that they have within their community. I'll tell you my most favorite thing about being a developer. When it's time to name the streets. The developer names the streets. Yes. And so like for this community that we're doing right now, Tariq Road, that's my son. What? Yes. That's my most favorite part is now I'm changing the trajectory of his life because he can go and see streets named after him, my grandkids. I'm not going to stop. I'm Everybody I know going to have a name like because that's what it's about. That's the legacy right there. All this other hoorah about, you know, this fast money and all of that, you know, think about your kids being on street signs for years. What? Yeah. I never <laughs> thought about where the street signs come from. Yeah. And the developer, the person who owns, oh man, that's crazy. Because <laughs> you know what, I, before like right now, I never really thought about who, I never thought past who owns the house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? But like somebody put a street sign there and decided this is going to be my son's name. This is going to be my daughter's name. Pay it's going to be my mom's name. Pay attention. Wake up and pay attention. Yes. Wow. Every single street. Yes, literally. Yes. Oh, this is great. Now you make me <laughs> want to be a developer. It's, yeah. Look, let me tell you, like all of the other parts of real estate is cool. I don't knock none of it because I've played in a lot of it. I played in a lot, not all of it, but I played in a lot. Um, but developing is by far the most um, lucrative and it's fun. And to me, it's everlasting. You know, um, I just I love it. You got to learn the game not to be a developer, though. You do. And let me tell you, um, as a woman, it was not easy because it is a man's world and it's pretty dominant. You know, I um, mean, they let it be known. Um, really? I am the yes, I am the um, only black female um, developer in the state of Louisiana. Right in the now. whole state? In the whole state, yes. What? Yes, and um, that owns the it. only black female developer in the whole state of Louisiana. Yeah, that owns it. Yes, yes. Wow. Yes. You are a true boss. <laughs> oh my God. Well, it didn't. don't always feel like that, but when you, whenever you stay consistent, and you don't care how ugly it looks to other people, right? And you don't have that FOMO going on, right? Fear of missing out. Then you are constantly focused on the end. Like, what does the end look like? You know, whenever my son's name go up um, in a few weeks in um, the community, I can't even explain to you the emotions that's going to come behind that. mm, Naming the streets. How big is this community? This one, we have five streets in this community. um, And it is on 15 acres. And it consists of, it's the first mixed-use development on this particular side of town. So we have commercial. What's mixed-use mean? I'm about to tell you. So commercial is mixed-use. No, sorry. Mixed-use is commercial, multifamily, residential, 
um, and we're also going to have um, kind of like outside activities. And so mixed use mean it has multiple purposes um, within the community. So some communities may just be residential only. Well, we're going to have um, grocery stores, um, apartment complexes, wow. townhouses, and we're going to have single family homes. Hold on. You're putting grocery stores in. Yeah. So you, so you sectioned off an area. And then are you building a grocery store or are you going to hire a builder to come build no. a grocery store? So what happens is um, a lot of people don't know this. So when Walmart go and acquire um, a, a, a location, they're leasing the land for 30 years and they build the infrastructure themselves. <laughs> oh, uh, so where do you find, so are you are you putting a Walmart in your area <laughs> or, or like something similar? Yeah, so what we're looking to do is we are looking, we're working with our local government and you gotta have connections for mm. real. Like you can't just go and knock on the door of one of these big box chains. Like that, it just don't happen. You gotta have connections. But we are working with our local government um, to bring in um, a major retailer, um, grocery retailer that can um, provide, you know, food sources for that particular so like side a public Kroger. I don't know what's in Louisiana, but like a major. Yeah, we would like a Trader Joe's or Trader Joe's. yeah, Rouse's. Some, you know, something that's you know Whole Foods. Um, mm. Something. The problem is this though. Whenever you're looking to bring in a big box retailer, they're looking at the income in the area, and being that we want to help low income communities thrive, normally big box retailers don't want to come. Gotcha. So you gotta you gotta work within certain demographics and income to attract them. So we're building what they like for them to come. Mm, wow. I I just wanna say that I'm impressed. <laughs> I've learned so much. You've expanded my vision past uh, you know, cause some people they're they're focused on making money and then, you know, for you know, even before this conversation, I'm like, all right, cool, we're gonna get a couple of properties, mm -hmm. and we're gonna have some mailbox money, yeah. <laughs> we can make some money every month. But now, like, we're thinking, okay, like, like uh, you know, apartment complexes, or one day I could, I can buy the land and develop the land. Like, you're really, I think, I think your story is just so important for people to see it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. um, um, Vice President Harris now, well, mm -hmm. hopefully everything works out the way it's supposed to. But um, they see, wow, black vice president. And now we see, wow, black person who, a black woman who came from humble beginnings, sleeping in a car, like all this other stuff to- Under like, a bridge. Under a bridge. <laughs> Didn't have a car. <laughs> That's outside, yes. under a bridge. Literally outside, yes. You feel me? To mm -hmm. see like somebody like, I, a black woman built the community that I live in. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That is insane. So I, I, I just want to say, like, thank you for all that you're doing, because, again, you didn't have to let me invest with you. You didn't have to build Salt Capital. So somebody who maybe have, you know, a, you know, a couple thousand dollars can invest and really get a strong return on their money. Right. You didn't have to do that. Right. And I was trying to think of, you know, when we was in the car on the way over here. I'm like, yo, how does Salt Capital really make money like that? Like, <laughs> so somebody comes in and they can invest money, but you don't really take money from them. And I'm it's a hundred dollars a year mm -hmm. to be a part of it. I'm like, this is this is really like you do this from the heart. Yes. And I want to say thank you. Thank you. Wow. Yes. Okay. So we, we gotta get out of here. Um, so I could go look at my investment. <laughs> 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 um, all right, cool. So um I guess um, let everybody know one how they can find you too. I'm sure by the time this recording comes out, maybe the board game is going to be out. Mm -hmm. um, so how can people get 
the board game and how can people be in touch with Salt Capital yes. and how can they get in touch with you? Awesome. So um, the best way to reach me um, is through saltcapitalequitygroup.com. You can go and fill out a um, request um, to read consultation and then someone from my team will be able to reach out um, and guide you guys in whichever way you're looking for guidance. The board game is at developersboardgame.com. You can click that link and um, it'll be able to get you started with the board game and um, get you set up to be able to purchase it. Easy to play? Yes, it's okay. very easy to play. Okay. Yes, it comes with instructions. Um, I'll tell you this, it's going to be frustrating because you don't understand the language, right? Yeah. But that's why you want to play so you can understand the language of being able to communicate, you know, especially on the leverage level. Like, yeah. that's super important. Um, and then, um, of course, just finding out more information um, about me, Terrica Lynn Smith, um, and you can check out saltcapitalequitygroup.com. I mean, many ways to find me. Awesome. Thank you. And I, I like to make predictions on the podcast, and uh, I think it's going to be really good. I want to know where you see yourself in the next five to 10 years so that I can look back at this video mm -hmm. five to 10 years from today and say, wow, Terrica said she was going to do that. It yeah. looks, she actually <laughs> did it. So where do you see yourself? What do you like see yourself doing in the next five to 10 years? I'll be retired. Yeah. You're I'll done. Be, I'm done. I'm going to be retired. Um, I'm going to reach the goal of changing 1 billion lives um, through real estate investing. And I will- 1 billion lives one through billion real estate lives. investing. Yes. And I'm 35. So when I turn 40, I'll be done. Five years. Okay. All right. How? Yes. Uh, well, starting with this interview, right? Yes. But uh, so how? <laughs> how? How? What's the plan on that? Well, it's easy, right? Because I know the board game is going to reach millions and millions of people. Um, Salt Capital Equity Group is already changing hundreds of people's lives already. And um, through repetition and word of mouth, that's going to continue to do that. And um, my story has already been shared you know, globally, right? And um, that yeah, you right were there, in just recently in what was that Black Enterprise? Yes, or or something like that? yeah, I was in Black Enterprise. I yeah. was in um, Washington Post, Washington Post. Um, MN Magazine, BlackNews.com, just all over, um, just because of the work that we're doing. And that work actually ended me at the White House. Mm. You know, um, just what? yeah. Yeah, that was you pretty Donnie? cool. <laughs> no. You meet <laughs> No, I met um, Scott Turner and the whole um, administration that deals with the opportunity zones, um, mm. which is important because we have to prevent gentrification in our communities. Um, but, you know, just knowing that, you know, the goal is to change a billion lives and how you keep track of that is um, by the amount of um, transactions you're doing and the amount of testimonials. So when people send me testimonials, my team is keeping track of it. And, um, you know, just staying afloat, just making sure, like I will be retired in five years and I reach my goal of um, reaching a billion people and changing their lives through real estate investing. What does retirement look like for you? Retirement look like for me is um, spending six months in Italy um, mm. with my husband. Um, we have this plan where we're gonna literally um, travel um, the seas and um, just do, you know, just live life, live life, you know, enjoy it. And then the other six months to be with our children and um, getting on their nerves and traveling <laughs> with them and doing whatever it is that they doing. Um, but I mean, literally deciding whatever it is we want to do, how we want to do it and when we want to do it. And not having to worry about if we have enough to do it. You don't think you'll have that bug though? Like, uh, like you'll be in Italy like, oh my gosh, I could buy this whole, you know what I mean? Like you don't well, feel like- Well, so I never said I'll stop. 
like making, yeah. you know, investments, right, right. right? I'm going to always invest, but I won't be working as aggressively as I am gotcha. right now. So like, we'll, we'll always invest. We'll always invest. For the Probably, game of, like, you like the game. It's a good sport. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good sport. And it's, um, it's very, um, addictive mm-hmm. whenever you get good at it because you're like okay so you start small like you start with the five thousand mm-hmm. dollars you'd be like all right how big can i make this like mm-hmm. who is getting really big like you know what i'm saying and so that right there just it's almost like a person who like to hunt right they're like oh my goodness how big can a kill get mm-hmm. right and for me it's the same with real estate like mm-hmm. how many people can i impact how big can i make this empire and i mean that's what we're doing you know one person at a time you know I love it. I love it. Oh gosh! Well, give give us, uh, get get prepared some closing words as I give my commercial on the morning meetup. Will you be on the morning meetup and speak on the call? Whenever you want me to. Yes. You keep saying that. Whatever you want me to, I'm Let's there. Go. Well, we did make the podcast. You flew yes. out here. Yes. From it, it called it. it you know, it took Tiffany to say, all right, let's just put a date together. So shout out to Tiff. <laughs> shout out to Tiff. Um, all right, so, uh, so 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 get some closing words together. This uh, podcast sponsored always by The Morning Meetup. We are the only community that gathers every single day. We gather entrepreneurs from all across the country to learn, grow, scale their businesses. Some people that aren't entrepreneurs, they just need the community of other entrepreneurs and they want to hear people like Terrica speak and my guests, uh, my, my, my guests come on and, and, and really give the game on entrepreneurship so you can actually start your trial for one dollar yes one dollar for the first seven days if you like it you know just stick around if not no obligation okay so um i thank y'all for joining in miss smith please i, I just want to say thank you again thank you um, really me. just taking an opportunity outside of like the podcast but i just i i thank you because i feel my life changing in terms of becoming a true businessman and investor and really marching my family towards like true, true wealth. Yes. You know what I mean? So I want to say thank you and uh, close us out with yeah. a word of wisdom. Yeah. So one of the things um, that I love to say is this, right? The transfer of wealth is from the impatient to the patient. And so real estate is more about patience than being impatient. And so if you think about the times that people generate the most wealth in real estate, it's when majority of the world is impatient and they are fire selling everything. And so I use that um, quote in my life to make sure that everything that I do and everything that I stand for is making sure that I'm being patient with the outcome and understanding the process so my impatient don't transfer my wealth from me. So just make sure that you are focused on being patient. Thank you. Can't close it out no better than that. All right, make sure you follow uh, Female Real Estate Guru on Instagram. Okay, send her a DM. If you listened to the interview and you loved it, send her a DM. Say, yo, I like what you said, this and that. I like what you said. I, I'm, I'm learning. I'm, I want to be an investor in Salt Capital. So just talk to her, okay? So yes. thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you like this. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you, sh- you share. And um, we will see y'all at the top. Peace. Save a little more this month. Chime checking accounts have features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com slash goals 24. Banking services debit card provided by Bancorp, Bank NIA, or Stride Bank NIA, members of FDIC. SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.